Lord, that is who you are, God, and we just worship you for who you are. And we thank you, God, for this just precious time we have, God, to spend with you, to be with you right now. We surely feel your presence, Lord, and you are here. You are here, God. And Lord, as we come to you, we ask that you would bless your word now, that you would anoint it with your spirit, God, as we continue to just seek you, God. We seek your face. We seek to hear from you. We are thirsting after you, Jesus, right now. So we ask this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you guys, and here we are in another beautiful Sunday morning to be with Jesus, and I hope you just feeling the Spirit here this morning and really desiring, God is desiring to heal and touch you today. Well, if you can grab your Bibles and open them up to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, and we'll get right into our study as I prayed already, Revelation chapter 12. 12. You know, way back in the spring of 1894, the Baltimore Orioles came to Boston to play baseball. It's a big game. There's a lot of emotions going on. Uh, but when the Orioles' John McGraw got into this angry fight with Boston's uh, third baseman, Tommy Tucker, I think he like slid into him. Intentions were high already. Well, they got into this big fight right there on the field. But it didn't end there. The anger spread with the players from both teams jumping up and just going into this whole brawl that was on the field. Then the battle spread into the stands with the fans supporting their teams, real angry, punching each other even. And then if you thought that was bad, things went from bad to worse. Someone set fire to the stands. And in the end, the entire ballpark burned to the ground. <laughs> Crazy, huh? And not only that, the fire spread to 107 other buildings in Boston. Just because these guys started, was angry and everything. How sad. What a sad mess. You know, we, we see that, right? How anger can go out and destroy things. It's, it's destructive, yeah? Well... Here in our study in the book of Revelation, as we return here to chapter 12, we find that Satan is like super angry because he's been kicked out of heaven. So he goes down to the earth and he attacks and destroys God's people on the earth. And it's all part of this final push by Satan during the last three and a half years of the tribulation. This is all part of, you remember, the devil's last campaign. And that's what we've been talking about last week, and we're going to continue here in part two. Now, last week, we, we saw the war in heaven. That was our subtitle, the war in heaven. The devil's last campaign. And part one was the war in heaven. Well, today it's the devil, devil's last campaign. Part two, we're going to continue here in this campaign. And our subtitle is The War on Earth. The War on Earth. Now, last time we covered verses 7 through 12. And we're going to continue here from verse 13 through 17 as we go from heaven and we go down to the earth. And in this section, we're going to find three things in the devil's last campaign in this war on earth. And number one is Satan's anger unleashed. Number two, Satan's army attacks. And number three, Satan's aim turns. So that's our outline. This is pretty much our points and what we're going to find here in the rest of this chapter as we go now from verse 13 through 17 and finish up this chapter. So let's begin here in the devil's last campaign. We're in part two with number one in our outline, Satan's anger unleashed. Satan's anger unleashed. Now we're going to be covering verse 13 and 14 in this section if you're taking notes. But let's first take a look at verse 13. Verse 13, the first one in our section here. It reads here, Revelation 12, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Now we'll stop right there. We begin with John now. He's continuing on with what happens now. After the enemy of our souls 
is lost that war in heaven. So we're continuing on this story here. Remember now, here in verse 13, we, we see the main characters again, the dragon, the woman, and the child. The dragon, you remember, otherwise known as who? Satan, right? The woman is Israel or the Jewish people, and the child is the Messiah, Jesus, who came from Israel. Now, we learned all of that a few weeks ago in verses 1 through 6, and so that was defined for us. So now as we come into verse 13, we see this dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth. Remember last week, he lost the war in heaven, and so he's banished access to heaven now. So he's thrown down, and now he, he, he turns his guns, basically. He's thrown down to the woman, to Israel, to the Jews uh, who had given birth to the Messiah. So he turns his guns, his target is now on the earth, and he, and he makes war on earth here. And notice here in verse 13, it says, He pursued, Satan pursued the woman, Israel. The word pursue in original Greek uh, language, it means to chase or hunt down with hostile intent. But here it's not just, just to apprehend, arrest, or beat up. Here it's to kill the Jews. So that's the idea that's going on here. And why does Satan want to do that? Well, Satan is super angry being ejected from heaven, so he brings his war on earth. Remember last time in verses 7 to 12, as we saw the war in heaven, it, it was where Satan stormed the gates of heaven, right? And and we learned, and I believe he, he was going into to, to foolishly dis, deceiving himself, thinking that he could take the throne from God. Remember that. And, and then I, I gave to you how this was a coordinated attack at the same time the Antichrist makes his move, storming into the rebuilt temple and requiring the world to worship him as he takes the throne of being God of the earth. Right. So all this is going on. But as it says, remember in verse 8, right? But he was, Satan was defeated. Right? Praise God. Woohoo, yeah. He was defeated and Satan lost that war in heaven. So being ejected now out of heaven, we talked about that. No more access, no more accusing, right? The brothers, no accusing believers. No more at this point now in time in the tribulation. No more, right? It's the it's the beginning now of his end. Remember in verse 12, look up there. It says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in what? Great wrath. He's like super angry now. He lost this war in heaven. We saw last time his power and influence, his control is crumbling. So he's super upset. And it says in verse 12, what? Because he knows that his time is short. Right, This was Satan's big push to, to stop Jesus from taking back the earth. That's what all this is about, right? The breaking of the seals we've been learning. All of this is this process of Jesus taking back the earth. And in the end, he's going to return, right? With the, and rule and reign and take over everything on the earth. Well, well Satan is, is upset. This was his last push to try and stop Jesus, take the throne. Now he has Antichrist there on earth. But thinking now... He could change the prophecy of what his end is. But no, he lost in this war of heaven. And now he knows time is coming. So he's upset. And his defeat in heaven only underlined the fact that time is now short for him. So in that crippling defeat, Satan knows he only has three and a half years left. The clock is ticking and he has great wrath. He's super, super angry. So we see here, after his defeat in heaven, Satan's anger is unleashed against the Jews on earth. So that's what's going on here in verse 13. Right here, it's pretty straightforward and simple. He's upset, he's, he's thrown down to the earth, and he's angry. And so he's just going all out now for the Jews on the earth. You know, I was reading um, last month, a report came out saying that 95%, get this, 95% of Jewish college students here in the U.S., they believe anti-Semitism is a problem on their campuses, with 80% saying they have experienced it personally. Isn't that crazy? 
in this time, I, was, I read this, uh, this is crazy, in this time where, where we're so aware of, you know, racial prejudice and, and, you know, being careful of that, right, whether it's blacks or Asians now, right? But anti-Semitism, this hatred of Jewish people, they feel it's so strong. 95% and 80% say they've experienced it. I was shocked in this article when, when uh, it was shared about this one incident where a Jewish student at Groucher College in Maryland, he told this. He said, one night after coming home from a cross-country meet, I went back to my room to find my roommates had a friend over. He started off the conversation talking about the dislike of refugees entering the U.S. Before I knew it, he was talking about how Hitler wasn't such a bad guy and the number of Jews killed in a Holocaust was exaggerated. The Jewish, this Jewish student then said, you know I'm Jewish, t- telling a guy. And the other guy just responded, yeah, I could tell from the moment you walked in the room. Crazy. Crazy to think that this is still going on, even today in our culture, in our society, where it's just so so much, oh, no, we don't want to do that kind of thing. But like we learn here in verse 1 through 6, right? remember when we started, this, this is part of the long war of Satan. This is that overview we saw from verses 1 through 6. This has been going on for a while. And what we're reading right now in verse 13, it will come to the worst time for the Jews, right here, when Satan unleashes his anger against the people of God, the people of Israel there. That's what's coming here in the tribulation right at this moment. But then look at verse 14. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent and into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half. Well, in the worst of times for the Jews, God comes. God comes to the rescue. It says here, the woman, which is Israel, was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly. Now, this is all symbolic to God's help here. I mean, some people think, well, you know, maybe this is the C-130s coming in and landing. You know, like we just recently saw, right, in Afghanistan, right, when people were fleeing into planes and military planes and jets and everyone was scrambling to get people out and fly them out. So some think, well, maybe this is the eagle, this is the great, you know, two wings and all. But... I think differently, and you could study this, of course, as we go on. As God is now dealing with Israel, remember Daniel chapter 9, when we studied that, that this is the time in tribulation. It's not the church age anymore. The church is taken out, right? Taken home in the rapture. And now God turns to Israel and starts dealing with her once again. So with that in mind, I see it more like, how Revelation 12.1 connected with the Old Testament. Remember the sun, the moon, the stars, the 12 stars and all that. I think this is connecting when God saved Israel from the pursuing Egyptians. Now, take a moment. Turn, turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, this, that second book in, of the Bible, chapter 19, and uh, verse 4 here. Verse 4. Exodus 19, verse 4, the Lord speaking, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So you get you see that connection there? And I think this would be familiar with those Jews and, and Israel from their past history. That as God saved them from the Egyptians, so God is saving Israel from Satan pursuing the Jews at this time. 
And so back to Revelation 12, God rescued them from the serpent. We learn verse 9, that's Satan, right? And verse 14, they escaped now into the wilderness to the place. Isn't that interesting? The wilderness, like when Israel's take uh, saved from the bondage of Egypt into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half. Now, the wilderness is the safe place. God protects her. God uh, 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 makes sure she is nourished, just like what we saw in verse 6 in this chapter. Now, as I mentioned before, it could be that rock city of Petra, you know, where access is really hard. and It, it could be that. We don't know exactly. But somewhere out there in the quote-unquote wilderness, God will keep her safe and God will, will nourish her. God will take care of her. Her. I like that word nourish. You know why? Because it, it brings to my mind when I take the wilderness and nourish, what do you think about? Manna, yeah? Water coming out from the rock, yeah? Maybe some quail for some special meals. I, I don't know. We, I don't know exactly, but it just brings to mind like how God rescued on his wings, yeah, out of Egypt, brought him into the wilderness. So here it's happening again with a different time with Satan pursuing, wanting to kill the Jews. And then notice at the end of verse 14, how long is she protected and nursed and shielded and in this safe place? Well, it tells us how long it's going to be exactly for a time and times and half a time. Well, well, what is that? What does that mean? Well, if you remember... In Daniel, again, the Old Testament, back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, it comes together here. And I believe God has it written here. So it will make that connection. So just as we learned in Daniel, a time is one year. Times is two years. And half a time would be what? Half a year, right? So if you add all that up, what is that? Time plus time. Well, one year plus two years, that's three years, and half a year is three and a half years, and doesn't that sound familiar? We've been talking about the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. So, for this last three and a half years of the tribulation, God will take care and protect and provide for Israel in this safe place. And the times, times and half a time, that three and a half years equals what we saw in verse 6, right? And the woman fled into the wilderness, verse 6, where she, was play, she has a place prepared by God in which she is nourished for 1,260 days. Same thing. We'll see 42 months. Same thing. Three and a half years. So, for three and a half years, Israel will be with God, for God himself will protect and provide for Israel as he did in the wilderness times. That's what I really want you to see here. I want you to make that connection with the Old Testament. It, it helps you to understand what's going on, just like what we've been seeing even from the beginning. Now, thinking about this, you know what really opened my mind up is something Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote in his commentary. And I'll give you this. He, he wrote this. Through the, wild, through the wilderness experience, God bound his people to himself. Through another wilderness experience, referring to what we're studying here, he will bring them back to himself. And I love that thought. I love the thought that God himself is keeping them safe. I love the thought. My mind went to, you remember there was a cloud by day and a fire by night? protecting Israel there in the wilderness throughout their journey all the way to the promised land. So God himself was there. It was in that time that Moses, right, received the Ten Commandments, the Word of God. It was, it was there that God really, really, um, ah, my mind just went blank, really cemented their relationship and what that was all about. So think about what he's doing here now. Now I believe that Many of the Jews are becoming believers. We had the two witnesses, right? 
but many haven't. We have the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe going out as a missionary. So there's a, there's a revival in Jesus going on at the same time. There's other Jews still going to the, going to the rebuilt temple and giving sacrifices. And, but the nation, in a sense, is all seeking God. But not everyone is there with Jesus. Well, once Satan goes after them, once the whole abomination, the desolation, Antichrist goes after them, well, they're all there, and they're all protected there. And I think even more is revealed to those who don't really have received Jesus, and they'll be saved. And I believe that those who know Jesus will see Jesus and learn even more. I feel like this is the time where Jesus will manifest himself and bring Israel into that close relationship with him. And then think about this. For 40 years, yeah, 40 years in the wilderness, God prepared the children of Israel to enter the promised land. Well, we're reading here, I believe, for three and a half years now, I believe God will prepare Israel for the millennium, for God's kingdom to be honored when Jesus comes to rule and reign. To me, it just all connects in that way. And you, of course, you can study that. But isn't this amazing how, either way, we see in the worst of times for this, the Jews, for the people of Israel, God comes. God comes and helps them. God comes and he's with them. God comes and he strengthens that relationship with them and I want you to think about that because you know what child of God you in the worst times maybe you're going through it right now maybe it's the worst of times ever in your life maybe it's one of those times that that it's just pressing down on you and certainly there's a lot going on just in our country and our society but in our individual lives we could be really going through it and I believe there's going to be more attacks and more oppression as we head into the end times before Jesus takes us home in the rapture. But, old child of God, knowing the worst times, God comes and protects you and provides for you. Know that as we see here today. And know this, child of God, in those times, let it be a time to get close to Jesus. Maybe it, it, it is, you're going through something and, and now you're running to Jesus. Maybe that's the time you need to get back and get right with Jesus. That you need to get back to seeking Jesus. That you need to get back to being close to Him. Don't waste it, yeah? Just as what, what the Lord is doing with Israel here, no waste that. Let the worst times in your life be the best times with God. Experience Him in a deep way. All right, so we see in the devil's last campaign here in this war on earth that Satan's anger is unleashed, but God is right there. Number two in our outline, Satan's army attacks. Satan's army attacks. Now here, we're going to be covering verse 15 through 16. But again, let's take a look at the first verse here, verse 15. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. Now again, we know the serpent Serpent is the devil. And the devil now, he knows where Israel is. He knows. He, he, he can't get to her or the people. He knows that there's this place that they're protected and in refuge. So you know what? He's, he's going to go all out here. So it says, out of his mouth comes out like a river to sweep the Jews away with a flood of water. Again, I believe this is symbolic. In the Old Testament, a flood many times symbolizes an invading army. And it's like the pursuing Egyptian army. In Jeremiah 46, 8, it says, it is the Egyptian army overflowing all, all the land, boasting that it will cover the earth like a flood, destroying cities and their people. So, right away in verse 15, we see Satan gives the command and sends a massive army to wipe out Israel. That's what basically, he's going all out here. He can't reach her. Remember when the Antichrist brings the abomination, desolation, comes to the temple, declares himself God, requires all the world to worship him, right? 
these guys aren't going to do it. Jew, the Jews aren't going to do it. Israel's not going to do it. No way. We know who the real God is. No way. And those who are following Jesus, they don't. No way. No way. So what do they do? They got to run because their lives are threatened. And that'll be the time I mentioned the other day, you know, when Jesus said in Matthew 24, flee. Run away. Don't go back for your coat. Yeah. If, if you're pregnant, if you're nursing little babies, oh, oh, well, to you guys, because, oh, it's going to be hard. This is time to run, because, you know, the special police of the Antichrist is going to go after all the Jews. But they cannot get to them. They cannot go and execute them. So, the servant of Satan, the Antichrist, will just grab his whole army, knowing where they are, knowing where they've all congregated and are hiding. He's going to send his army to that wilderness, to that desert stronghold that God had made for them, to go and wipe out Israel in one great big swipe. So by Satan's command, he sends this quote-unquote flood, a massive, overwhelming, invincible army to wipe out the Jews. And that's the picture here. But I'm glad there's verse 16. Look at verse 16. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Praise God. Yeah? We say, hallelujah. God, thank you. God rescues the children of God by by his command, I believe. The earth Open its mouth. What does that sound like? Like an earthquake and, the, and, the, and the, the crust opened up. The earth opened up, right? And, it, and the armies came in and fell into that big crevice. And they were swallowed. The earth swallowed the river of, that, of army that was sent by the devil to kill the Jews. So the attacking army was swallowed up and defeated. I don't know, I, I almost picture the, the ground opening up. Here's this massive army coming. They're falling in and under their feet it opens up and they're just falling into this huge crevice and then closes up. And you know why I think about that? Because isn't that what happened to Israel when they crossed the Red Sea? The, after the Lord saved Israel from that flood of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, they sang a song of praise, you know. And one of the lines in that song, Exodus fifteen twelve says, You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. Same words. Same wording. So just as, we know the story, as the Egyptian army went in the parted Red Sea, you know, trying to chase after Israel. Right? Once Israel was all the way through, and the Egyptian army was in the middle of, you know, the two walls of the Red Sea. What happened? Closed them up, swallowed them. And that's what the song was saying. Exact words. So we see Satan's army attacks, and it seems to be the end of Israel because it's this overwhelming army, but God is equal to the need. God is equal to the need. Perhaps after this miracle happens, maybe. I'm guessing, maybe prompted by the Holy Spirit. Maybe these Jews that witnessed this miracle. I mean, at first they think, we're going to die. Remember how Israel, like many of them thought, wow, we're not going to live. What are we going to do? They're trapped right between the Red Sea and, and the, the, the pursuing Egyptian army. But God opened up the sea and they went through. And then what else? What's going to happen? God stopped them. They witnessed that miracle. You know what I feel like? perhaps, maybe prompted by the Spirit, perhaps the Jews are going to turn to Psalm 124. And I want you to turn there. Psalm 124. Psalm 124. And as you're turning down, I want you to see this, because I I read this, and I got excited for for the Jews here. And when I read this too, you know what? It spoke to my own heart, and maybe it'll speak to your own heart. The Psalms 124. Psalm 124. Psalm 124. 
It reads here, verse 1, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped. Like a bird from the snare of the fowlers, the snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. Maybe that's a word for you today. There's a fierce battle going on. A fierce, invisible war that we can't see, but it's there. The enemy of our souls wants to bring us down, bring you down, destroy you in that spiritual battle. But you know what? You know what? No matter what the devil may throw at you, God is greater, right? God is stronger, right? God is equal to the need. Get that in your heart today. Get that in your mind today. God is equal to the need. Whatever he throws at you, God is equal to what you need. To survive. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Isaiah 59:19. God is equal to the knee. Well, let's go on now to number three, Satan's aim turns. So we've seen here Satan's anger unleashed, Satan's army attacks in this last campaign, the war on earth. But now Satan's aim turns. And our last verse for this morning. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Now John sees even more anger coming out of Satan. He, he's, he's furious, right? He's been kicked out of heaven, no more access, not ever again, as we saw last time. And now as he comes down to the earth, makes that war on earth, and he tries to get Israel, he can't get at her. He sends a huge army, and God just swallows them up. He's furious that he was stopped like this. His power is crumbling. And it's just making him even more angry and mad and hateful of the things of God. And so he turns his aim to make war. Interesting, the phrase here, the rest of the woman's offspring. Yeah? The, the woman's other children. Now, who can that be? Who's the other kids? I mean, some speak about, well, there may be other uh, Jewish people who, who hadn't make it back to the homeland at this time, and they're, they're, they're going to be persecuted. And, and, and it could be that. I feel like that's part of this first part where Satan's anger is unleashed, and he starts sending out the Antichrist police to get these guys, and then second thing, he sends the army. You know what I see? And again, you can study this. I feel like, and I believe this speaks of the Gentiles who are saved by the child, the Messiah, Jesus. That's what I feel like. Because at this time, they're still on earth, right? I mean, many have been martyred or in heaven. We've been seeing that in our study in Revelation. They are, they are in heaven because they are martyred. But there's still others. They're still on the earth. And it's who we call the tribulation saints. Those Gentiles who came to faith in Jesus after the rapture of the church. Remember, we talked about that, right? Once the rapture happens before the seven-year tribulation, there's no unbeliever in, in I mean, there's no believer on, on, on the earth at that time. Everyone's taken home to heaven. But after that, people are going to start getting saved when, wow, what, what my... Mom was saying is true. What my friend was saying, oh, it's true. They're gone. It, this is the rapture. Oh, no. I got to believe in Jesus. Remember? So people can be saved. Many of those will be martyred for their faith. But I believe there's still more 
there left on the earth at this time. So Satan turns his aim to the other children, to these who have been saved in, in Jesus who came from Israel. You know, I was thinking about this too. Paul calls Gentile believers in Galatians 3.7, he calls them, he says that by faith they are sons of Abraham. And so I make that connection. And these believers we read here are those who keep the commandments of God. They hold to the, the truth of God's word. They, they believe in the word and they're obeying the word. That's how they're holding on to that, even in times of severe persecution. Even in times when, when things are so hard, they're still holding on to God's word and obeying it. And he adds by uh, holding to the testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony of Jesus? Well, what he did, right? He died on the cross for our sins so we can be forgiven. He rose again on the third day and, and conquered sin and death. He freed us from the bondage of our flesh and sin. So they're holding on to that testimony and that promise. Also, the testimony, as Jesus said, he'll, he'll return. And so they're holding on to that promise that he's going to return to take possession of the earth and bring in the kingdom. I think this all connects to verse 11, where, remember, we talked about last week, by, uh, by the, they conquered, right, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and, lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. And in the same way that we talked about last week, these guys, they stood against Satan. Even though Satan came against them, and Satan cannot win against people who do not let go of these things it only makes him more angry and that's what i see here he's seething he's he's being defeated here and there with against god he can't stop jesus coming knowing his end is coming and he can't stop the people of god he can't kill israel god's chosen the children of israel and he can't kill christians the tribulation saints so we see again here, Satan, this is the anger and hatred Satan has for anyone with faith that holds tight to Jesus. So do you understand that? Do you understand that today? I mean, this is what's going to happen in the future. This is what's prophetic here at the midpoint of the tribulation. But do you understand that when you hold on tight to Jesus, oh, he's going to come back at you more. He hates that. It makes him angry. When you keep holding on to the word, when you keep holding on to who you are in Jesus, he hates that. Do you ever wonder why, like, God, you've been speaking to me. You know what? I'm going to make this commitment. God, I want to pray every day. I'm going to set aside time and pray every day. And what happens? That next morning, you wake up late, your alarm doesn't work, or, or you're starting to pray, all of a sudden all these problems come and you're interrupted. Why? Because he hates you holding on to Jesus. God, I'm going to make a commitment to come to church. I want to learn your word. I'm going to be there every time the doors are open. I want to be there. And what happens? Something happens. Yeah? You have to work late, so you can't come Wednesday. Or, or you wake up late on Sunday. Oh, forget it. Or, or you get a flat tire. Whatever that is, right? That's Satan. Because he hates people who hold tight to Jesus. Thomas Brooks said, if God were not my friend, Satan would not be so much my enemy. Now, at the end of verse 17, we have an interesting phrase. It says, and he stood on the sand of the sea. He, talking about the dragon, which is Satan, stands on the sand of the sea. It speaks of how he's standing before all the people of the world. And you know what I was thinking about? It's like when you watch a TV series and the episode ends. Well, the episode is ending about the dragon here. And so it ends with the dragon, yeah, as it's segueing into season two, so to speak, right? Because the next chapter is going to be all about the Antichrist. 
So God's giving us this insight and an overview of this long war of Satan, of the devil's last campaign in chapter 12. Now this episode is ending here. here or the season is ending in, in chapter 12, and it ends with that dragon. Yeah, the smoke coming out, right? And, and, and here's this vengeful, hostile, angry. He's, he's so angry now. He, he, he's not winning. The end is coming. This hateful dragon standing before all the world here. That's the scene here. And it's segueing into season two, which is going to be all about the Antichrist. That's what we're going to see in the next chapter. So the chapter ends with the dragon, all mad, all upset. His control and power is crumbling. Now, if you have in your hands maybe a new King James, King James, you may be wondering, wait, what, what? Wait, I don't see that. You may be saying, well, I see in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, I stood on the sand of the sea. But not in verse 17. Well, well, what is that? What's going on? Well, understand, when you see things like this, like we're, we're using, I'm using an ESV to study out of. And um, I know we made the switch. I explained to you why. But we're in the ESV now. And when you see some differences with the ESV or even other modern or I should say recent translations that have come out, the reason is because the ESV and these other recent modern translations, they're based on some manuscripts that are a little older and believed to be closer to the original writings. And so that's why the ESV translators went with those uh, manuscripts that were discovered. The King James and uh, the New King James, which is based on King James, and King James. originally the King James was uh, based on some manuscripts, and you know the King James actually came to be in 1611. And yeah, since then there's been some revisions, but they stayed to this um, uh, receptus text, um, where the ESV and other modern translations stick. They they go by the critical text. It, it's called these manuscripts, and we don't have the originals. We only have copies. That's that's what's left over. And so that is what is used to translate the Bible into English from the original Hebrew and original Greek. So that's why it, it, it's different because of the basis. And so the ESV translator guys, they opted to use this critical text. I mean, it's a little older, and so it's probably closer to the original and a little more accurate. And so you're probably wondering, well, why is it different? Why, why is it so different here? Well, uh, what happens in like this passage or even another other passages is is probably when the scribe or the the monk or the you know that was copying the scriptures you know in in the early centuries they they thought well it would help to add this thing to understand what the scripture is so that's what's believed is going on to to help you know make it understandable for back then. Uh, but understand, know that any differences does not change doctrine or any meanings or anything of that. Well, the changes are minor like here. Also, back in the original manuscripts, yeah, there was no chapter and verse. That was added later. That was added for us to help reference things, to to. Uh, uh, you know, read it and know and everything. So that's why. So in this case, he, and he stood on the sand of the sea is in verse uh, 17 because it's believed that it's capping the end of all this about the dragon and Satan. And the next part is going to go into uh, the Antichrist. So anyway... If you're confused, talk to me later. <laughs> Either way, whatever we study this, right? We get into this, and and I, I I tell you, well, maybe it's better translated like this or that, right? So either way, we get into whatever translation you use. Anyway, our last point coming back is Satan's aim turns and targets the tribulation saints, but he still cannot conquer them. And that's why I see like Satan just smoke coming out of his ears, still upset, still furious, right? He still cannot 
conquer. His power is crumbling. I was thinking about the third stanza in the hymn by Martin Luther. A mighty fortress is our God. You guys know that, right? And the third stanza says this, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Know that. Know that today. But you know what? I think of his anger and hatred, Satan's anger. I was thinking about this this morning, kind of praying through our message. And you know what came to mind? This very thing is building up in our society, isn't it? Don't we see a lot of anger, hostility, hatred being stirred up more and more as our country is divided even more and more and getting even more and more divided? Even the body of Christ in general. Sadly, there's a lot of anger out there. And what's in society, it can leak into our hearts too, you know. We can get angry about things. We can leak into this, I was thinking, our new heart that we've been given in Jesus. Is that what's been going on? Have we been influenced by the society? And I mean, sometimes I just can't read the news anymore. Are those things leaking into this new heart and corrupting us and where that anger turns into hatred? Where, where we act in the same way as society, right? Like, like, oh, you don't agree? Well, I don't like you. And, you, and then you get mad. Or someone doesn't think the same as, as you and like society. You just get angry. The rage, the anger, it rises, it comes out, and then suddenly that person doesn't deserve your time. Watch out, because then that anger turns into this hatred. I mean, this is what's eating up Satan. He's not getting his way. And so what? He's angry. He just starts attacking. And, yeah. If you're allowing that, then you know what? The devil has you exactly where he wants you to be. Consumed. You will be consumed with hate, anger, hostility, retaliation. Don't allow what Satan is standing here with. Don't allow that. Someone once said, anger is just one letter short of danger. Understand something here. We're we're going to be seeing that there's going to come a point in time in the tribulation that the people on the earth, everyone else left there, they're going to curse God. They're going to lift their fists up at God and be angry at God for doing all this, for bringing judgment. They're going to hate God. Who's influencing them? What we're seeing here, Satan. That's what the world is heading into. That, that, that's the end here. That's why you see in a society here, because he's starting, and he's going to draw everybody into that, this hatred of one another, hatred of anyone who doesn't do what I want. And then it's going to turn on God. I don't want that. I, 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 I see it leaking into me. I see that. Influence. I don't want that, you guys. Let us conquer enemy of our souls, right? By that. By the blood of Jesus, right? By the testimony, by our, our test, by the word of our testimony and what we read here, who we keep the commandments of God. We stay to who we are and we keep to the testimony of Jesus knowing what's coming. We can conquer the enemy of our souls. We are in a battle, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And they're out to get you. 
I'll close with this. Um, I read about a pastor who noticed a man sitting like two seats over on his flight, holding some little cards and moving his lips. And he was guessing, oh, he thought, oh, he's a fellow believer. Well, the pastor leaned over and said, well, it looks like you're memorizing verses. And the man replied, well, no, actually I was praying. So the pastor was excited and said, well, I believe in prayer too. The man then said, well, I'm fulfilling a special assignment. Oh, what's that? asked the pastor. The man said, I'm praying for the downfall of Christian pastors. Who do you think he was praying to? Not God, to Satan, right? But no, our prayers to God is way more powerful as we, we pray to him, right? But that's what's out there. That's what's going on. Ian Bounds says, prayer can do anything that God can do. So I'm praying to God, yeah. All this evil spiritual warfare, Satan and his demons, it will not go on forever. He will be defeated and we can conquer him today with the word, with Jesus, with our prayers. He will be defeated. And that's what we see here in Revelation 12, the devil's last campaign. Lord, thank you so much for your word, God. Helping us understand what is going to happen in the, in the end, God, to Satan. Lord, it, 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 it gives us strength to go on. It, we know it's not going to go on forever, the oppression, the attacks, Lord, the spiritual warfare. But we also know that the tribulation saints, God, and those Jewish believers, they will overcome Satan no matter what he does, and it's because of you, because of how they hold on to Jesus, because of your blood and the word of our testimony. Lord God, no matter what we're facing right now, Jesus, I I, I thank you that you are the way maker, Lord. That you are Jesus, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in our dark times, Lord. That you, God, you are, are with us. And so, Lord, I pray over every person here and every person connected online that no matter the troubles we're in, the trials, God, the all-out attacks, it feels like, Lord, you're stronger, you're greater, and you are protecting us, and your promises are true. So, Lord, I pray for strength, for eyes open and locked on you, Jesus, and that we hold to your word and hope in your promises and hold tight to you, Jesus, right now. I pray your spirit be upon every person. Anoint us, Lord, so that we may get through, walk on water, that we may be able to experience the miracles, Lord, and see you right there. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. All we need is you, Jesus, and we'll be okay. In your name, amen. Let's all stand.